and welcome back to another episode of Joe and Matt having a chat. As always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, the beautiful Joe Baston. How are you, Joe, today? I'm all right, thank you, Matt. Um, how about yourself? I'm good, very good, very good today indeed. Good stuff. Well, we've got a special guest today, a very, very special guest, actually. We've been waiting this one for a very long time. Uh, he's a 27th degree black belt in chug and coffee, uh, and it is none other than Mr. Jordan Sire. Jordan, how are you today? I'm great. Joe and Matt having a chat. I like that. That's catchy. I like that very much. So thanks for having me on. Well, it's the first person that's commented on my name, actually. So I'm yeah, quite pleased with that. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah. I like it's, you know, it's it's one, it's like it's sticky. Like I'll always think of that now. I like that. Joe and Matt oh. having a chat. My heart rate is up as it is, and you tell me things like that. <laughs> now, like my brain is just working on rhymes. Joe and Matt having a chat. Don't get hit with a baseball bat. <laughs> So Jordan, for those of you that maybe don't know you, uh, can you give us a quick elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm a short, bald, nerdy Jewish guy who likes to lift weights and help people improve their relationship with food. Uh, I am married. I have a nine-week-old daughter, and that's pretty much it. That's the elevator pitch. So I don't know if I sold you on me or not, but that's that's who I am. <laughs> definitely practice that. You said off there you've done over a thousand podcasts, so you've <laughs> yeah. you have to shorten that down to make sure that you're clear and concise with with what you're saying. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so obviously you said about kind of fitness and stuff is what you do. We were kind of interested about this inner circle. Could you kind of tell us more and? Yeah. So, I mean, the inner circle is just, it's, it's my business, right? So it's, uh, basically it's a membership. Um, I'm a personal trainer for many, many years. I only, I did, I started with in-person personal training and then, and then I moved to online and I did online and in-person at the same time. And then when I was doing online coaching, it was all one-on-one based, which is great. And I loved it because I could really connect with each person, but one-on-one is inherently more expensive. And I didn't like that there were a significant number of people who were not able to afford coaching. And also the other thing about one-on-one is because it's more intensive one-on-one, I'm inherently limited by how many people I can actually work with. So there were people who couldn't afford it and there were people who could afford it, but I couldn't take them on without losing the quality of my coaching. So I started a membership and I called it the inner circle. And uh, it's basically a, a lower cost option to help people get the coaching and the exercise and nutrition help that they need. Nice. You mentioned about going from face-to-face PT to online PT. How did you find making the transition, taking your business from the gym floor to solely online? It was a very slow and steady transition. And to be honest, it was, uh, I, w- when I started it, I didn't know what I was starting. Like when I started doing online coaching, I didn't have the intent of doing online coaching. So I started doing online coaching in July of 2011. That's when I started my online business. But when I say I started my online business, this is before Instagram existed. This is before online coaching was really a thing. I just was making a website so that I could write articles to help people. Because eventually in my head, I was like, I'm going to open a gym one day. And I just want to help people and I want to give seminars. And that was it. Like I didn't have the idea of coaching people online. And as people slowly and surely found my website and and all of that, which took a couple of years, people would ask, hey, could you write me a program? Could you coach me? And so I would do that for free and I would just coach them online. And then one day this woman from Brazil reached out to me and she said, how much do you charge for online coaching? And I was like, 
I don't know, 300 bucks. And I was in my college dorm room at the time. Like, and I was like, I don't know, $300. And she was like, okay, cool. How do I pay you? And I was like, holy shit. So then I, I had to go on Google and I found, you know, I, I typed in how to make payments online. And I found this thing called paypal.com. And uh, I got an account, sent her the link for 300 bucks in my head. I'm like, there's no way this woman from Brazil who I've never spoken to, she's only read my articles is going to pay me 300 bucks. And she did. And I, I could not fucking believe that I just got $300 in my account. Like $300 is a lot of money, period. But never mind, like to me back then, it was a huge amount of money to me. And uh, I spent the next 72 hours making the best possible program I could ever come up with, like making all these systems and all trying to make the best possible program. And um, that's when it started to shift. That's when I was like, oh, wow, I could actually make money doing this. I could actually start coaching people online. And so still at that point, like, you know, I was coaching everyone in person or writing a couple of people programs online, but it probably took from like 2012 until 2015 before I went fully online. And, uh, you know, it was another three years of a lot, a lot, a lot of work and a slow, steady transition. So you were doing the online coaching before it was popular. Oh, I did. I've been doing this for over a decade now. Uh, and do you think that helped with your success? You're quite a successful person now, or we perceive you as a successful person, <laughs> uh, at least. But obviously, where you were doing it before Instagram and stuff, did you find it was easy to kind of get onto different like Instagram trends as it grew, like you could grow with it? Um, You know, I never really did the whole trends thing. Like I, I hate social media. <laughs> like if I didn't have a business online, I wouldn't have social media. And one of my personal goals is to get to a point where I never have to open social media ever again. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that's something that I've been very vocal about for a long period of time. I, I don't like it. I don't think it's a good place to be on. Uh, yeah. agrees with me as well. It's, it's not a nice place and there are some cool things on there and there's some funny people like yourself on there. There's also a lot of rubbish on there. There's also yeah. a lot of stuff that you don't want to see on there. And it's not a nice place to be, but because our businesses are so centered around social media, like how can I so show social proof to someone in Brazil? Well, it has to be online. Yeah. So, I mean, there are many positives of social media. There are many great things about it. Personally, I'm just at a point in my life where I don't think it's, I think overall net total, it's not good for humans in terms of especially how addicting it's becoming and how easy it is to spend hours upon hours upon hours upon hours a day with your foot with your phone shoved in your face meanwhile you've got friends and family literally in the same room as you but you're not talking to them you're like all like what's going on in other parts of the world i just don't think it's what humans are made for so i do my best to help people and to educate people and to bring positivity and optimism and education to the social media platforms but personally i want to get off as soon as I possibly, <laughs> because I just, I don't really find much interest in it. So I think earlier on in the social media days, it was definitely easier to build an audience. There's no question about it. Um, but I never really did any of the trends and I still don't do any of the trends. I sort of go by the beat of my own drum and I am who I am. And I try and be very consistent and post a lot and make it very helpful and be who I am. And I think that's, what's helped me grow but I never did any of the trend bullshit. Like I, I don't like that stuff. Like I would hate myself if I was, you know, doing TikTok dances and like, I'm not doing that shit. I hate when people like do the thing where they, they have music in the background and they point to the words that they're saying. I'm like, that is so 
fucking annoying. I hate that probably more than anything in the world. <laughs> so, so how do you, obviously in your, on your Instagram, you come up with skits and stuff. Some are funny, some are just very informative. How do you find kind of doing them? If you're not a big fan of social media, how do you, find, how do you come up with the ideas? The reality is like, I do that stuff normally in my day-to-day life. Like I, it's funny. If you ask anyone in my family, I've been using accents and I was in theater growing up. Like I always, I do this with my friends all the time. My wife hates when I do this. My wife hates, I'll do this with my wife. We go out to dinner to a restaurant we haven't been to before. And I will use an accent and (laughs) pretend like I'm like, and the whole time, like pretend I'm someone completely different. My (laughs) wife gets so embarrassed. She hates it, but that's just who I am. So for me, well, how can I, when I'm communicating with people on social media, I want to communicate with them the exact same way I communicate with you guys right now, the exact same way I communicate with my friends in real life. I want to make it as real as possible. So how do I do that? Well, I use accents and I am who I am. If someone is not like that, then they shouldn't make it up. Like they shouldn't pretend to be someone they're not. That's when you get imposter syndrome. That's when you like end up really hating this stuff because you're actually not being who you are. You're being who you think you should be, which is not a, a not a good recipe. So the the skits and stuff are just that's what I am normally. And I also know that it's gonna help keep people's attention because it's funny and it's it's interesting, but that's just who I am. I do that stuff all the time, no matter what. And how do you think your authenticity on social media has, has played a part in your success now? Dramatically, for a number of reasons, I think, um, I think for me personally, just being who I am has given me more longevity in the industry because so many people, it there's a huge burnout rate in this industry. Never mind online, but like in, in the industry as a whole, but especially online. And I think one of the reasons there's a high burnout rate is because people pretend to be someone they're not. And you can only do that for so long before you just fucking hate everything about it. Well, I'm not a huge fan of social media. Like I still can enjoy it because from this conversation to the conversation I was just having with my wife upstairs to when I open my camera and start making something for Instagram, I'm still the exact same. So there's no facade. I'm not pretending. Anytime you have to pretend to be someone else, it's taking energy from you. And so I think that will burn people out much more quickly. So on, from that perspective, it's helped me a lot. Just because I can do this longer, I can I can be in the game for longer than most people, and I can make more content without feeling that I'm really uh, trying to be someone else. And I think people appreciate it, and they can see it. Even something as simple as being authentic when I've made a mistake, saying, hey, I was wrong about that. Now I believe this. I think it is very disarming to people. It will let their guards down and let them trust you more. Whereas if you're not able to do something like admit when you were wrong or or have these real authentic conversations, I mean, think about this, like you guys, Joe and Matt, I guarantee you, you guys are, are pretty close friends, right? Yeah. You become closer friends with each other when you have deeper conversations, right? When you've like let your guard down and you can learn, well, what are you struggling with? Like what's what's bothering you? What what did you go through earlier in your life? Like what's going on in your life right now? You develop a bond with someone when you have those type, types of conversations. So when you can be that on social media and be yourself, people will develop this bond with you much more closely like you do with a person one-on-one. So I, I think just being able to have those types of conversations and be open is is very helpful with developing a closer relationship with people online. You said about kind of, you know, accepting being wrong. You know, every, every day is a school day. 
it's good to be it's good to be wrong every substance so you can learn from it. I think if you're someone that pretends to know it all, it, it doesn't look good either. You know, no one yeah. likes to know it all. No uh, one likes to know it all. In, no one likes to know it all. It's really annoying. And you know what's worst? The, the worst thing is when you're in an argument with someone you know, could be a spouse, could be a friend, could whatever. And you and them both know that they were wrong. You both know, but they refuse to admit it. And you get so pissed. Like, just say you, like, I don't even want anything. I don't want anything. All I want is for you to say, hey, I was wrong. And as soon as someone says that, it's like, okay, that's all I want. That's literally all I wanted. So when you can give that to people online, it's like, oh, wow, like, I can trust this person. I like this person. But the people online who are like, no, no, that's not what I meant. What I actually meant was da 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 Shut the fuck up. Just say you were wrong. It's going to make this way easier for everybody. <laughs> Keep backtracking on what they say. Yeah. yeah, 100%. I guess that comes back to the authenticity as well of people. If you're not being true to yourself all the time then people aren't going to want to buy into what you what you what you stand for and that's probably why there's such a a high turnover rate for a lot of personal trainers i know especially where i know quite a few people who have done personal training because they want to be working in a gym wearing shorts and t-shirt but then quickly realize that it's not really for them or they can't really be who they want to be or maybe there was hype around something that they wanted to jump on then that hype went away and then they kind of fall off whereas someone like yourself you've been doing it at least 11 years yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing online stuff for 11 years and not to mention the six, seven years before that, where I was in person. So you're like an OG in the game. <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> oh, 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 OG, not OM. <laughs> so saying about kind of social media, you, you're very, very close to that kind of million followers. Does that mean much to you or do you kind of just see it as a number? I don't give a fuck. I could lose followers. I, I could give two shits. It, I'll tell you, if if I really cared about growing my audience, you would see my strategy being very different online. I would be doing way more reels and I'd be posting every day, multiple times a day. I just had a daughter nine weeks ago. I literally, I could show you the videos I was just taking up with upstairs with her right now. Like I'm chilling. I, I could lose followers, lose money, and I'd be equally, if not more happy. Um, the idea of getting to a certain number of followers, like I've never, ever, ever, I'm very proud of this. I've never made a post saying, thank you for this many number of followers. You know, when people take a picture and it's like 10K, 50K, I'm like, you're an obnoxious piece of shit because all you're, it's bragging. It's like, as if like, the number on your profile isn't enough. You literally had to make an entire post about how many followers you have. It's like making a post about how much money you got playing Monopoly. No one gives a <laughs> fuck and it doesn't mean anything. So I've never made a post about how many followers I have. I quite frankly don't care about that. It's irrelevant. It's much more about the relationships that I can build from within that audience. And some people are like, oh, I've only got like, I don't know, 500 followers. Could you imagine standing in a room with 500 people listening to you speak? Like most people would shit themselves if there were 20 people in a room listening to them speak, never mind 500. What if instead of complaining and feeling down on yourself because you only had 500 is you just tried to develop a relationship with every single one of those people? If you had 500 people who were super invested in your business, you would be set for the rest of your life. I know James Smith talks a lot about if people decide to unfollow him, that's completely fine because they're not going to buy from him anyway. 
And I guess it's the same from you, right? If they're going to unfollow you, they really don't care. And that's something that I've had to think more about. If the number goes down, well, it doesn't matter because they weren't going to buy from you anyway, right? Correct. It doesn't matter. In circle because they, they didn't want it. Yeah. And, and not to mention, let's say they did buy from you. But have you ever had a client where that was a really shitty client that was so draining and just you were like, I don't want your money. I lit- I would rather I would pay you to not be my client. Right. It's like that's what often those people are where like, who knows, maybe it's fundamental disagreements. Maybe it's different uh, views in life or whatever it is. But one of the reasons I've been more open about my views in politics is because there are people who I don't want to work with. Because like they're so extreme in their views and they bring it over into everyday conversations that are just draining to me. I was like, I don't want to hear this extremist view when I wake up at 8 a.m. to answer my emails. I don't want to hear this bullshit. Like this is nonsense. So I've been more open about it so that I can have more people who are along the same mindset of me who are hanging out and having open-minded middle of the road conversations, not extremists, super far left, super far right. Like I, I don't, I don't have the patience for that. I don't care. I don't want that in my life. I don't want your money. So not only might they not buy from you, but it might be saving yourself a lot of headspace and, and angst. I guess with, with such a big following, I'm looking at it now, not that you care, but it's 834,000. You use the example. If there was 500 people in the room, you'd be shitting yourself. Well, how does it feel having 830 or what does it feel like having 834,000 people potentially following you and watching every move that you make? Um, when my audience first really started to grow, like, and it started to really take off, it was, there was a lot of anxiety with it because I didn't want to say the wrong thing or piss people off. And so I used to have a lot of anxiety with that. Now I just don't give a shit. I really don't. And, And to be honest, the anxiety stemmed from, cancel culture right the idea of you know of you saying the wrong thing and then everyone going against you and hating you and da, 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 da. um and now i've gotten to a point where i've realized the it let like the best way to avoid being canceled is just to not apologize for what they want you to cancel you for <laughs> like like if they're like i can't believe that you that you said the word fat and i'm like well yeah i mean there are some people who are fat And it doesn't mean they're bad or they're wrong or like they're bad people, but like being fat is a thing in the same way being skinny is a thing. Like, so it's like for the, the way that you get canceled is when you're like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I hope you'll forgive me for using that word. And then, then that, that group, they don't care. Like they're going to, what they're going to try and cancel you anyway. And the other group, they've just lost respect for you because you've apologized for that shit. So now I'm like, whatever. It's like, it's great. It's a blessing. Thank God that I've, I've been able to reach so many people and it means the world to me that I can really help so many people. Um, But I don't try and think about it. I don't try and focus on it because it's a number that is in my mind, irrelevant to what I'm doing every day. But that number is irrelevant. Whether I have one person following me or 800,000 people following me, my goal remains the same. Help as many people as possible for free. Right. And so just keep putting out helpful content. And if one person says, hey, that was really helpful, cool, mission accomplished that day. I guess it's quite a nice way of living. As long as you know you're you're adding value into someone's life, then you can go to sleep at night knowing that you've done something productive. A hundred percent. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, as long as I know that I did my best to help someone for free today, I think it was a pretty good day. I think a lot of people, they they do stuff for themselves. And we, we want to do stuff for ourselves every now and then, but a lot of people, they get caught up in, I'm going to do it for me because it makes me feel good and they do it for money. But then we spoke about earlier, they're the ones that maybe aren't 
as true to themselves, they fall off and they're not doing it as long as someone like you who, again, been doing it for quite a long time. Yeah, so so I think there's a difference between doing something for yourself and doing something for money. Because for example, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you some thoughts. When I say I want to do something to help people for free, whether it's me giving charity, right? Giving charity. Why, why do people give charity? It's not selfless to give charity. It's actually, it's a selfish act. Why is it selfish? Because you're doing, because it makes you feel good. You give charity because you're like, ah, good. I feel good about myself now because I've given charity. Why do I make content for free? Because it makes me feel good to know that I've helped other people. So it is selfish and there's nothing wrong with it being a selfish act because it's still contributing positively. We've demonized this word selfishness. Like you need to be selfish in order to be selfless. You like if people demonize money and making money, but if I have more money, then I can give more charity. I can help people. I can start organizations to help people who are less fortunate. So there are many good things that come with it. The issue is when you start doing things for money that's when it becomes a, a real moral and ethical issue. That's why I'm a huge fan of James. Uh, we talk pretty frequently. You know, James and I, neither of us do promoted posts. Why is that? Well, once we start doing promoted posts, we've basically sold our souls. We've basically like our objectivity is is ceases to be a thing. It doesn't exist anymore. We will inherently be biased now because we're doing posts in order to get paid. Uh, whereas when you just are who you are and, you, and we both go out of our way to help people for free all the time with all of our free content – from a selfish perspective, it makes us feel good about ourselves. But there's nothing wrong with that selfish aspect. It's how are you using your selfishness and what is it causing you to do? If your selfishness is causing you to only focus on how do I get more money? How do I squeeze more money out of these people? That's probably going to lead down a very tortured life for yourself. Like no one can feel good and live a long, healthy, happy life when everything is about how can I take money from these people? But when you selfishly want to feel good by helping others, I think it's actually a, a very, very good life strategy. And do you find that actually when you start to focus about money less that you might come into more money as a result of that? Like you're not focusing on it and the byproduct is then you come into it, right? Whereas people chase money and the clues and then they're chasing the money, but they're not actually receiving the money. Every single time I have allowed my focus to shift from helping people to making more money, I have made less money and had way more anxiety. But as my focus is all, as it shifts towards help people for free, my anxiety goes down and my income goes up. And it, it's just every single time for over a decade now, without question, the less I focus on making money and the more I focus on just helping people for free, the better I feel and the, the better my business does as well. Okay. So obviously you've got quite a big following as, as we mentioned. Is there any tips that you could give to people that would maybe want to not necessarily grow their following, but want to impact more people like you were doing? Yeah. And even if you do want to grow your following, that's fine. But I would say doing it for the right reasons. And, and it all comes back to literally everything I've said. Like the only thing I've done is I just make free content to help people. It really, there's, there's three types of content. We're going to break this down. There's three different types of content. The first type is educational type content. You teach people something that they might not have known. You give them information that they might not be aware of. That's the first type. The second type is entertainment-based content. So uh, comedians are, are one form of entertaining content. You're not really learning from them as much as it's, – it's funny. You're laughing. You're enjoying. It's entertaining. The third type is a mixture of the two. That's what I try and do where I entertain, where, where I educate with a little bit of entertainment involved as well. 
maybe I use an accent, maybe I make a character. There's entertainment value, but the majority is with an underlying foundation of education. Those are the three main types of content, and I prefer to mix the two together. But let's say you're not very entertaining, you don't use accents, whatever it is, like just be yourself and educate. The foundation of an educational platform is what will build you an a, an audience and a business and a group of people who trust you. James is another perfect example. Uh, James also does accents sometimes, but the majority of James's videos are actually just like him sitting there in front of the camera, having a real conversation. And like, there's entertainment involved often because he'll say words that like are real shock value. Like he'll say cunt and like all this stuff, like things that I would never say as an American, I would just be fucking canceled immediately. But apparently in Australia, people say that word all the time. So it's fine. But like either way, He'll say things that have real shock value, and that's a form of entertainment, but the vast majority of it is just education, 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 education. Paul Olima, he is much more of an entertainer, right? Super yeah. funny, but he has the entertaining style content. So then when him and James get together or him and Darren or whatever it is, it's education and entertaining put together. I try and do both in one, but if you go back and look at my original content, it was it was very little entertaining. It was just all education, education, education. The more comfortable I got being online, the more entertaining I could make it. Um, so if you really want to help people, just fucking help people. Like, the yeah. issue is people will like post a picture of their dog or post a picture of their pickup truck or like, oh, let me give you a house tour. No one gives a fuck about that stuff, like educate, help people, give them help content that's going to improve their life. After a while, then maybe they'll care enough about you because you've shown that you care about them, but it, it takes a long time to get to that point. Yeah. You said about kind of obviously being yourself online and stuff. Did you find that as you're following, like the number went up for the following, the kind of hype around using social media got tough or did you find it easier the more you did it? Uh, in terms of like easier for me to use it as the winner went, as the number went up. Yeah. Like kind of hype around the channel where you had more followers, you had more kind of people messaging and this, you said about kind of the adverts and stuff. Yeah. I think I, it's a great question. I think as I saw more and more people enjoying my content, it motivated me more to continue to make more content. Right. Um, so yes, absolutely. It definitely helped. You know, it, it's, it's ego, right? You have, if, if you have five people liking your post, it's one thing. But if all of a sudden you get 15 people liking your post, you're like, oh, ego, more people like my shit. I'm going to do that more. So yeah, absolutely no question. Um, and then if the number goes down, you're like, oh, people didn't like that one. People, aren't, people don't like this. <laughs> so then it like will hurt your ego, which is why you really have to try and separate yourself from the numbers and just do it because you enjoy it. But I would be lying if I said that didn't impact me, especially when I was building it. Now I really don't give a shit. I like don't, I don't care. Um, I shouldn't say I don't care. I care minimally, like maybe like five to 10%. Um, I think you'd have to be a true narcissistic psychopath to truly not care at all what people think. Um, but I'm at a point now where it's very minimal and it doesn't take up much headspace. Whereas earlier when I was younger, it took up much more headspace. One of my uh, favorite things you did on your page or, or yeah, page was the like stupid exercises. Yeah, yeah. I need um, to bring those back. <laughs> the, I mean, I'm guilty of putting them in for things like boot camps where it's just get your heart rate up and, and get a sweat on. But, but you're absolutely right. And I think mountain climbers is one of them. Oh, and I fucking hate mountain climbers. <laughs> And it, yeah, I mean, it is it is just a stupid, stupid exercise to do. 
obviously that was a, a hyped up exercise in and around lockdown where people were doing a lot of home workouts. Are there any particular fitness trends at the moment that you can see more of or less of? Um, and can you see maybe where the fitness industry is going when it comes to things like stupid exercises, for example? Uh, well, one of the biggest fads. So, I mean, the fitness industry, it just repeats itself like history. History always repeats itself, right? Uh, people are like looking at keto now as if keto is new. Keto has been around for a hundred years. It's 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 been it was originally developed to help people with uh, with uh, um, epilepsy. That's what it originally developed for. So we see these trends come and go. Right now, a very recent trend that is is very new that people are really jumping on the bandwagon for is the uh, continuous glucose monitors. People wearing continuous glucose monitors to track their glucose spikes when they eat carbohydrates and using that as a as proof to show why carbs are bad and they're going to make you fat. And I just see everyday regular people wearing continuous glucose monitors. And I'm like, that is so fucking stupid that what you're tracking is a normal, healthy response from your body as you eat carbohydrates and then a normal, healthy response as the glucose spike comes back down. This isn't bad. This is normal. If you didn't have that response, then you might be a diabetic, in which case, cool. Now you should wear the continuous glucose monitor. But everyday regular people should not be wearing that and tracking their, their glucose. It does it means nothing. So that's a, a big, big, big one recently that's been a huge trend and fad. And we're always going to see this nonsense. But it, these things come and go all the time. We've seen these repeat year over year over year. Yeah. Something you kind of or something you do care about. And congratulations. How are you finding being a dad? I love it. It's great, man. I mean, it's still very early on. My baby's only nine weeks old. Um, so it's great and it's fantastic and it's cool to see her grow and, and start to, to, you know, recognize me and my wife and look at her, like starting to, you know, be able to use her head more and all that. It's, uh, it's, it's odd from the perspective of waited nine months for her to arrive. And logically, I know you can't have a conversation with a baby, but it would be like, Imagine you you are, are waiting nine months to meet the love of your life, and then you finally meet the love of your life, and you can't have a conversation. <laughs> like you can just sit there and look at each other, and and so that's odd for me because I'm like I just want to talk to you, I just want to get to know you better, but uh, but that's not obviously possible yet. But overall, it's great so far. I guess the, the final question from us is: What have you learned about yourself with with having your little one? Um, I think it's just, I mean, I've always wanted kids. I've, I've known I've always wanted kids forever. And one of the reasons that I really started to work hard on my online business was because I wanted to be able to be present for my family and my kids and, uh, you know, coach their sports teams or go to their plays and theater or whatever it is that they're doing. I just wanted to be around. So before this podcast, I was just upstairs. My office is in the same building, just a couple floors down. And I just, uh, was upstairs on the floor, just playing with her for like an hour and like, that's all I want. It was funny. I had someone DM me a couple hours ago. She said, am I hiring? Do I want to build out a bigger team? And like, I'll, you know, I'll read you, I'll literally read you this whole interaction I just had with this woman, uh, literally just about an hour or so ago. Let me see if I can find this. Um, yeah. Okay. So this woman said, do you ever plan on hiring any coaches or partners to work with clients or to produce content around nutrition fitness? It seems like you primarily use this platform for education and your app, but I wasn't sure what your intentions for growing all of that were. And I said, honestly, I'm not sure. 
I'm very happy right now. And frankly, I don't have the hustle and grind mentality to build a huge business. I just want to be happy. I will, I, if I do, I'll definitely be happy to chat though. And then I sent her a picture of me and my daughter, just that I that was on the ground right there. And so that for me is, is where I am right now. Having my baby is just solidified. I just want to, I want to work enough to live. I don't want to live to work. Like I'm not. That's good. And, and 20, 23 year old me would be like, what a wuss, like da, 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 but like, that's just where I'm, where I am now. You know, I just, I want to be home with the family and, and live work, work just enough to be able to live happily. I don't want to make my life work because man, we look at societies all around the world. People who live the longest, people who live the longest are not like the hustling grinders. They're really not people who live the longest, healthiest, happiest lives are, they're like, they they make enough to live and be happy and go to the beach and just relax. Like it's not the people who are hustling and grinding for 22 hours a day. It's just not. Yeah. Well, no, solid, solid point there. I think back that and you learn to, every day is a school day. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just thinking about it. Jordan, that was, that was great. We said we keep you away for that half an hour. Uh, very yeah. That was a uh, very good fun. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Joe and Matt having a chat. I love it. This was great. <laughs> thank you so much. Made my day. Yeah, it's... Uh, Jordan, thank you very much. We're going to end the recording now. Thank you very much, Matt. Any final? It's been a pleasure. It's been an absolute pleasure. Heart rate come back down. Heart rate's come back down now. We've come down. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, thank you very much. Thank you guys so much.